Hey there. I want to begin this episode with a request that I don't make very often. Uh, if you feel comfortable recommending this show to your friends or your audience or people in general, I would ask you uh, to tweet about the show or talk about it on social media or message boards or things like that. Um, really, word of mouth is the only way that we grow. Uh, it is our best source of listeners. So if you dig the show uh, enough to, you know, vouch for it, consider doing that. Um, again, just talk about the show. Maybe that'll show up in my searches. Maybe it won't. I might not even know that you do it. I just want to put that bug in your ear. Okay, let's go. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King uh, and other related works, I suppose. My name is Cole Ross, and today I am joined by Brian May. Hey, Brian. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. It's good to have you back. Yeah, I know. Long time no see. Yeah. I was supposed to be on the last comic one, but I just ran out of time. Oh, I I, I understand that well. Um, yeah, and we're also joined by Murph Murphy. Hey, Murph. How's it going, guys? It's going just great. And yeah, I was on the last comic one. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, 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 we finally got the comic crew together. Woo! Yeah. KK with Cole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we're here uh, to talk about uh, kind of the two remaining prequel comics, except, you know, okay, there, there, there's one more that I'm going to do a book report on at the, the, the next episode, but we're talking about the fall of Gilead and the Battle of Jericho Hill. Um, finally seeing in detail kind of the calamity that we saw hints of in the gunslinger and also in wizard and glass and, you know, parts of parts of the wind through the keyhole, uh, kind of getting the end of the prequel matter lined up so he can set Roland on his way. Um, Brian, what, uh, what, what compelled you to hop onto these comics episodes? Um, just, I have this fascination with comics and I just had to see, especially cause these are, now, this is actually something that was plaguing my mind when I was reading these. How canonical are these? 100% canonical? Um, so they have Stephen King's blessing. However, certain parts of them, specifically things uh, that contradict the wind through the keyhole, have been retconned. Um, and if you're aware of what happens at the end of the series, the idea of something being canon ends up being a little bit wishy-washy, especially with... Especially with one particular <laughs> major detail uh, that happens at the right. beginning of the next comics, right? Right, right. That makes sense. Um, but I guess I just wanted uh, to know how much Stephen King himself actually like meddled with this. So my understanding is the primary writer was his personal assistant? Yes, uh, Robin Firth. Um, uh, yes. His, his assistant and also the person who acted as kind of the Dark Tower historian as he was writing uh, the final three books. So, yeah, I just I wanted to see how Marvel Comics uh, specifically uh, adapted as stories like this. Marvel isn't really known for doing things outside the superhero realm. DC is more known for doing things uh, beyond just capes and spandex. Um, they got lines dedicated to it. But Marvel 
for the most part, folded a lot of those efforts many decades ago, except for the Dark Tower, this one weird anomaly yeah. that sells pretty well. I, I almost never go into like a Barnes and Noble without seeing several copies of Dark Tower comics. It is it is kind of remarkable. Like I always see I don't see them as much anymore, but Marvel also did a comic adaptation of The Stand that you see in collections at a Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. as well quite right. often. Yeah, I've I've never I've never pulled the pulled the trigger because it's it's very it's very costly to get like an omnibus collection of those. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of speaking speaking broadly, what is what is your kind of opinion of Marvel's effort here to kind of expand expand this non cape um, kind of property? So this is definitely coming uh, from a, a, a super comic nerd perspective about this. The <laughs> I feel like the unfortunate aesthetic is really. Um, it's kind of bland, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it's a, I'd say to you know draw a comparison to video games, it's very much like the Call of Duty kind of uh, middle of the road. Everyone can pick this up. It is. It feels like it comes from a school of thought where it's more trying to screenplay out an idea rather than create comic pages individually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That being like- said, it it works well enough as a means to get the ideas across. It's not like a train wreck to read or anything. Yeah. Right. I think last time, uh, I think this this collection that we read improves slightly, but I I feel like this thing, this set of books really suffers from the tell not show problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, Especially it's very much goddamn narrator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think I I forget where I read it, but like the the action in comic is supposed to happen between the panels, and in this comic, it's very much I'm going to show you this. This, a lot of actions happening in one panel and then explain to you what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it really throws me off. Yeah. Well, it, the, the, the biggest sin in that regard is that, I mean, by the time you're on the climax issue, like issue five or six of either miniseries we're going to talk about, like, there are almost every other page is just a full splash page of just one image <laughs> rather right. than getting like any kind of motion out of it or anything. Yeah. The lack of motion is actually something that I have, uh, I've really uh, kind of honed in on as something that's really problematic with this. It reads more as like a series of stills as opposed to something that is trying to convey, convey action or story um, right. sequential art. Right. That is a very subtle distinction. And it'll sound like I'm being cute with that, but hopefully I'm getting my, my idea across. No, you know, I, I get that a lot. And I, it, it almost is to the point where you feel like someone had these illustrations lying around mm-hmm. and then someone said, Hey, we can make a comic book about this. Yeah. And it's not like there's no joy to be had there because I'm, I'm okay with a big battle scene. I'm okay with seeing what Gilead looks like, seeing these weird landscapes and seeing the, the architecture and stuff. That's just not enough. There's right. also so much shadow. You're hardly seeing a lot of it. That is something yeah. that is something that has gotten better, though. In in general, I think the, the 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 storytelling has gotten a little bit better, just from a text and what's happening. Uh, kind of kind of feel. I also think that visually, this is far less off putting, just from a just from a style yeah. standpoint compared to, especially like if you look back at a Gunslinger Born. Right. So it's it's weirdly. It's weirdly they got less detailed in their drawings, mm-hmm. which feels like it shouldn't work. But it, like, but the lack of detail kind of seems to work. I'd, I'm not sure why, because if I'm if I'm remembering back, like 
you got to see like individual wrinkles on a wolf or something. Yeah. And and here, <laughs> you know, it 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 feel things seem smoother, but also it does seem like there are more like maybe except with the exception towards the end with the uh with the final battle on, on Jericho Hill. Uh it, it does seem like there are just more panels all to, than in previous uh in the, I guess the previous two volumes. Yeah. That said, still not enough. Right, right. Um as the as so as these comics go on, like do yourself a favor and even if you're not gonna continue reading the comic adaptations of the actual books, they get more adventurous with the style. Um, and also it just gets a lot easier to look at and scan. This is, this is the final, the final trade where this team where this penciler and this colorist are working together. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and even, even as soon as the, uh, the, 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 the next book, it gets a little bit, uh, it becomes a little bit easier of a putt. Even just to, to 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 scan to scan and see what happens. So so let's uh, let's let's get started here and talk about the first trade that we're looking at, the Fall of Gilead, um, which covers um, seven issues actually that were released between May and November of two thousand nine. I say seven because it's six chapters, but also the the, the trade paperback um, includes this one off that they did called the Sorcerer that kind of retells the events of these past couple collections from Martin slash Walter slash Randall Flagg's point of view, giving us a little bit more context about where he comes from, about where these, these orbs come from and uh, kind of muddying up some of the cosmology and cotton continuity a little bit more than I would want to. Hmm. So like, overall, I actually kind of like this one shot. Mm -hmm. I feel like it, it wouldn't, didn't tell me anything new with, some kind of notable exceptions, but I, I kind of, I guess it clarified the story in a way that felt like a, how a good recap episode should. <laughs> I, I want to hear specifics about how that, about what, what things work, worked for you as we go through it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like we open up with this kind of exposition about the way magic works. We get kind of a preview of the tarot draw that Walter is going to do at the uh, at the at the end of the first book, right? Showing the fate of Gilead and Roland, you know, through these uh, through these cards. But the thing that kind of sticks in my craw a little bit is this, you know, origin story for the bends of the rainbow, um, implying that Merlin himself started out as this evil this evil guy and also is, also is Randall Flagg's father, which is not, not, not really the case. <laughs> um, and also uh, put, put Flagg slash, you know, Walter O'Dim's uh, uh, siblings inside of these balls. So what we end up with is each of these balls has kind of a demon that is kind of its patron. Uh, and it turns out that, uh, that, 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 that our, that our boy Martin is getting freaky with his, with his Medusa sister, what lives in an orb. Yeah. So I like <laughs> the idea of a kind of a demon that lives in the orb. Mm -hmm. Like I said, like the orb is probably one of my favorite parts <laughs> uh, of, of this book so far. Uh, not just the comic, mm -hmm. but, and I kind of like, oh, so there's, there's just been this person here the whole time it was kind of a neat like idea I liked. Yeah. But, but then there's this weird kind of incest thing, maybe question mark going on. Yeah. And then it, it just, and, uh, 
But then again, maybe Martin's, you know, yeah, he lies a lot, right? So maybe he's not yeah. the best narrator. Yeah, and also he's... He, he's he... <laughs> you think he's going to lie about having sex with his Medusa sister to get ahead in life? <laughs> <laughs> that that, that, that kind of seems like uh, saying the quiet part aloud, honestly, <laughs> a, little, a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, and, and also Martin, you know, maybe, maybe Martin's just nasty. You know, like, oh, like nasty. Yeah. Maybe, like maybe, maybe this is just meant to say like, yeah, like he, he, he is unseemly. So he might as well, might as well go full, uh, full, full demon incest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, I don't know where to go from demon incest. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, what, it's what's I mean, on that the was page. My, that was my big takeaway from the prologue, to be honest with you guys. <laughs> was, was this, uh, was that, was that Martin is nasty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if you're gonna if you're gonna sell me a character in seven pages, that's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I I think this also we get to see Martin kind of using his powers in a way. And like normally when when we see the the man in black comes in, he he shows up unexpectedly and then leaves uh, like without being seen. And like mm. we don't get that camera like on him. So it's kind of neat to – it's like in you know in a slasher movie, all right, we've revealed the monster. Now let's let's follow him for a bit and just see how cool that that alien actually is. Yeah. So where he where he goes up into the camp, if I'm if I'm getting a little too far ahead here. No, that's fine. Uh, where he you know he like the the dudes are like huddled around and like saying, oh no, he'll you know don't don't talk too loud. He'll turn us into dogs. And then he like he just kind of flies up and becomes this crow or mm-hmm. unbecomes this crow, transforms into a man. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he remanifies himself. But yeah, we we just get to see like oh yeah, so this Martin guy, it's he's not just like oh uh-huh, all like shadows and illusions. Like no, nah, he mm-hmm. he can do some stuff. He is a powerful adversary. Yes. But, but, but part part of what bugs me about it is like seeing everything from his perspective is it's like man this guy's real busy <laughs> like, like like in the in the Kervonica cat's cradle busy 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 kind of sense like he he is everywhere all of the time and he factors into a bunch of stuff for some reason the power of that is actually lessened in my mind because we do see him just like out of breath running from plot event to plot events. <laughs> <laughs> So that's like that's different interpretations. I think that you have an absolutely right read on that. That like he is, you know, <laughs> he is powerful, and it's good to see that you know it, it is it isn't just smoke and mirrors, right? For me, that just it takes a little bit away from the mystique to see the process as opposed to just the results, right? Right. Well, like so, I, I do think that the the mystique is important, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can go to the the. The, the masterpiece of that is Cloverfield, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, like it kind of gets a little worse once we actually see the monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is you, but I think the movie would have been worse if we didn't see the monster. I feel like I would, I would have missed something if I didn't see it. Yeah. Like, like, Hey, uh, you're, you're, you're buying all this, this stuff. Let's have a payoff. Yeah. At, at least at least show me show me something right yeah i could i'm at this I, good point in my relationship with dark tower as a whole series about I, i'm trying to get my head around the idea of what kind of explanation i'm happy with in the series 
Because mm-hmm. there, there are definitely times when I get an explanation, I'm like, yes, I was really into that explanation. But then there's other times where it's just like, no, that was too much. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think this is one of the ones where it's a little, uh, it rides a line. And I think I fall on the, yeah, too much. Uh, why, I don't really know what, how much this really adds to the tension of the of the book as a whole, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's it, It's only a single issue which I think is is enough to make it right on novelty for me, even in light of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, speaking of going from plot event to plot event, you know, we see him convincing Gabrielle to kill, you know, to kill Stephen to Shane. Um, and we even see that Stephen, you know, the Din of Gilead is obsessed with the grapefruit. Um, and this ends up being a problem, and I think this is where personifying the orb becomes necessary because... It actually wasn't, according to the comics, it wasn't Martin's plan to have Roland kill Gabrielle. He wanted Gabrielle to, you know, to, to, to actually kill Stephen. Like, it, mm-hmm. Roland killing his mom, that was purely down to just the petty malice of the of the woman and the, and the orb. Because as she is showing Stephen these images of things that, that, that happen, he sees Martin and Gabrielle's affair. And she gets really upset that Martin is running around on her, you know, like the affair isn't, isn't news to, isn't news to Steven. He's woefully all too aware of it. It is news to the demon. And so that is, that is kind of this weird betrayal slash non-betrayal betrayal that sets, sets Roland onto the course that he's on. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. That, that gets into... Like, I guess that kind of says, shows that that Martin isn't perfect, I guess, which is kind of important because, you know, ultimately Roland survives. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, I have some thoughts about how he survives, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) But I'm not super in love with how that this book ends. Yeah. Or this next book ends, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I, mm, I, I I don't see it as the the most realistic motivation for a demon orb, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, like uh, like it, it seems like mischievous at the very least, which w- yeah. w- which gives it a little bit of a little bit of believability in, into it. The, 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 this gets at the heart of something that bugs me about these comics and where they butt up against the series in general, which is this adds like just another motivation onto Martin. Like it's a different it's a different version of the story. It's a different you know, possibly a different character even. Um, but like, I don't know. I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy with the explanation at the end of the wind through the keyhole, which obviously wasn't written at the time of this, but like, I like the idea that Martin was setting it up to, to basically emotionally destroy Roland as opposed to, you know, this where it's a comedy of errors. Right. Mm, Yeah. I mean, hmm. I think he's still like, He's. It's not like the worst th- outcome for him either, though. Like he, no. he's he pretty much gets what he wants. Maybe <laughs> he, just, he just has to work a little harder for it and scramble, right? Right. Yeah, but like really, just barely. Yeah. Um. We do get to see what happens to Clay Reynolds, though. We get to see where he end where he ends up. Uh. Mm-hmm. It it wasn't like Roland said where he, you know, is rolling around with Cordelia. Um. 
Is is that right? No, Cordelia is the aunt with whoever the with the proprietress of the bar of the travel traveler's rest, whose name I forget. Coral Thorin. There we go. Um, mm-hmm. No, he's not running around with her as like a like a Bonnie and Clyde. No, he's he's tortured basically to death by John Farson um, for let for <laughs> for letting the great freak get away. Right. And this is like I don't think this is the first time we've seen Farson, but this is the first extended scene. We we've mostly gotten just like glimpses of him as like here he is on his gigantic throne of skulls or whatever, wearing his right. honestly, I love the design of his mask. It is very yeah, good. It's, it's a very cool. good mask. Yeah. <laughs> I, want I would listen to a metal band where they all wore that mask. Yes, please. I don't care how much it muffles their voices. It's metal, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah Uh, yeah but this is where the plot to send kingson into gilead is forged right you know they they, they've got this uh they've got this traitor that they you know that they've turned um and we get to see again this horrible scene where martin kills his wife anyway after they get the they get the note in um Mm -hmm. you know the, the the note from him from old charles champion which is no good um but yeah, Kingsman heads into Gilead with the dagger for Gabri- Gabrielle and also instructions to grab the sphere. Uh, also a poison book, which pays off uh, beautifully. I love the way that poison book pays off. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, you know, we then see we, we, you know, we, we then see the, you know, the, the, the demon putting the instructions in uh, for, 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 for Roland, you know, telling him like, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to see Rhea, but it's going to be your mom and you're going to shoot her, et cetera. Ha ha ha. Um, and all, and, and all of this goes down. Kingsman is killed, um, by court again in the riddle, uh, in the, in the riddling, you know, but he's revived. That's how he escapes the morgue. Martin actually sends, <laughs> revives him and sends him back to, uh, back to Farson. So Martin himself isn't, you know, put on a pike. <laughs> yeah yeah that that yeah that seemed a, a little arbitrary but mm-hmm. i i don't know i get i didn't get why i don't know why that plot had to end that way but yeah it seems like it seems like kingston could have could, could have been dead and stayed stayed dead um and nothing he doesn't pop up again in a real consequential way right yeah uh, but that's and uh, yeah it just seems like then it seems really arbitrary where when Martin comes upon uh you know the Roland's mom and says, Well, can't do anything I can't resurrect her. I couldn't wreck <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, this was a the the, the gunshot? Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it just it seemed real arbitrary as to why one you could do one but not the other. Yeah, maybe he used up all of his mana. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's out of white mana. He only had the mm. the black and the blue. Okay. Oh, is that a Magic the Gathering? Yeah. Okay. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's got different colors of magic. The, 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 that 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 is my nerd's that is my nerd blind spot. If you if you said Pokemon <laughs> energy, then I would have been all in. Okay. Yeah. So he has steel energy, but he mm. doesn't have enough water. <laughs> no, that's a or, problem because he's going up against steel and Roland. Mm. Oh yeah mm. so he needs a fairy type but uh yeah, yeah or fire um so is still so, weak against fire that doesn't make sense i don't know i just see see the, yep we, we we have established the boundaries we've established the boundaries of my knowledge <laughs> <laughs> oh uh but yeah martin discovers you know way too late that his plans have been sabotaged by the demon you know gabrielle is not you know is not alive uh, uh to deliver the killing blow to steven um, and so 
to regroup and kind of get out before everything starts getting locked down. He transforms into the Raven, carries the grapefruit back to Farson, setting everything um, kind of in a row for the further downfall of Gilead. Again, it is forestalled. Um, it is delayed. And that's something that we knew even, yeah. even, even back in Wizard and Glass, like Roland doing everything that he could to stop Farson. Everything that's happened has only delayed the inevitable, right? Because Farson's hammer is still on an intractable trajectory toward the so, walls, right? So I've got a question because there's a panel here where uh, uh, Martin nicks himself on a nail. That seems real consequential. <laughs> I but, have no idea. Brian, do you have any idea why? Like, nope. I, I, None at it, all. Like – like it, it's called out like explicitly narrative. Like, did they just draw it? And he's like, "Shit, we got this nail here." <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm I'm out of I'm out of levels of undo. There, there is <laughs> there. It does happen where the artist will turn in work, and then the writer will say, "Oh, that wasn't supposed to be in the script," and <laughs> they just have to write around it. So who knows? Maybe there was a a different draft where that mattered a lot more. Yeah, it's. Right, I mean, you know, like Stanley famously just said, "All right." I'll give you a very basic script. You give me the pictures and then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll write the, in the words afterwards. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, it seems like they're setting it up to be like, Oh, he nicked himself and that's how you left a clue. Right. Like, Oh, they found a feather right. that transformed into a bit of cloak or, you know, they found some blood or something like that. Or that weakened, that weakened the strap as he was carrying the, uh, as he was carrying the ball. Like any number of things that that might have been a payoff. As it stands, that just seems like noise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it's like almost the last. Like I don't know. It, it feels really weird. Like it feels extremely consequential. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't pay off at all. I yeah. mean, maybe, uh, maybe she was she. Maybe it's an alley if that wasn't picked up. Maybe she served that one up and they didn't. Uh, you know. Whoever whoever scripted the next issue just didn't didn't slam it. Hmm. That's that's what you do in sports, right? You slam. Yeah, yeah. yeah slam it down. Yeah. Um, double points. Yeah, you either slam or jam. If uh, the Quad City <laughs> DJs are to be believed. <laughs> um. Yeah. So this gets into the trade paperback proper with chapter one, and everything here is going to take a much more linear uh, kind of path. The Sorcerer is just such a weird book. Um. <laughs> But yes, <laughs> chapter one opens with Gabrielle trying to deliver her message of forgiveness to Roland from beyond the grave, but he cannot hear her. Um, instead, he will have to get that from the sisters in uh, Debaria. Oh, wait, that doesn't happen in this continuity. Oh, well. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Guess he's screwed then. Yep. It's ambiguous mm -hmm. for a second, too, because he calls out mother and you're not sure necessarily like, oh, did he catch a glimpse of the ghost? But no, nah, he's just he's just calling in... out to his dead mom right next to him. He's just in anguish over what he has done. Yeah, that's sad. That that, that, that uh, yeah, that, that that is a different <laughs> way to go. That that motivates everything that he has done up to up to that point in a way that makes the win through the keyhole feel like a weird uh, uh, a, a weird alteration to his uh, to, to to his character. Um, but yeah, uh, weirdly, a lot of this a lot of this is happening at the same time, like. Strangely, over the course of these books, we go from things, you know, like an entire trade that takes place over the course of like an hour or several chapters that take place over the course of an hour to time skips of about a decade happening between panels or between pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, Cuthbert, Elaine, and Eileen are, you know, locking away Kingston, Kingston's body in the morgue while Stephen DeShane intercepts this note that was meant for Kingston saying like, hey, you know, the, 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 the ball, you know, the, the, the ball is in, uh, is, is in the chambers, right? Um, and this, of course, sets, uh, sets Stephen, you know, to be real suspicious where he heads up in that, in that direction, finding Roland weeping over, over his wife's body. Um, and Roland admits guilt pretty much immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm glossing over basically this, this entire chapter by, 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 by hitting all this. I want to get your guys thoughts about the, 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 the peril that this sets up of, you know, the prince killing the queen. Um, but yeah, like this is just pretense for like, okay, this is the first move in a war. We need to set down. We need to seal the city as the, as the, as the siege comes on. So I'll put it to you guys. Like, how much did you want this to actually be a story about the people being suspicious of 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 the ruling and the justice that would apply to Roland? Oh, so like Roland becomes king or not king Din, mm-hmm. and hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, just, just, just like, oh, like the, 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 the what they hint is going to happen is, okay, well, we have to lock Roland away, um, but the oh. entire populace is suspicious because Farson has been doing all of this kind of psyop stuff. You know, the, the, the populace is going to, is, is going to harm him anyway, because, because they believe that gunslingers are corrupt and will protect their own. So, so I, th- I, I think that's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. I don't think this comic has the the chops to pull that off. <laughs> okay, I, I wish I wish the comic did. <laughs> I, I, I don't like. Fair. Like I, I don't want to like I don't want to say like yeah that sounds like a real cool story. Uh-huh. I'd love to love to read it, but like I don't think this comic is ready for it, that. Yeah, I yeah, don't, that's a that like, is a much denser tale already than i think the six issues like i feel like what you just pitched is denser than the entirety of the 11 issues that we're about to talk about yeah probably (laughs) i just i I love the political intrigue side of this and i wish that they had the ability to pay off of it so uh, i'll I'll, you know i'll agree with you brian even though it's fair it is also not useful criticism i just i i hate seeing missed opportunities you know yeah i i don't i don't want to I, I I think also at least some people would have to be on Roland's side, yeah. Other than his quartet, probably. <laughs> like in the end, it 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 especially in these these next couple issues, like the betrayal almost becomes the norm. It's like, yeah. So who should we trust? No one. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like literally no one. <laughs> like who who is left in the city? Who is actually like for Gilead? Uh, no, no, no one. I mean, right. And nobody with a name, at least. No, right? no, nobody with a name who doesn't end up as a, a smoking charred husk in a church. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just wanted, yeah. to, wanted, wanted to muse over that possibility that that was something they could have camped out on, but oh, no. I, I, so I think you could. I think you'd have. That's a really good comic, but I, I don't think this this writer illustrator team has the chops to pull it off. Yeah, I think I feel like they're just going for sort of like an omen in the air. Everyone knows animals can tell before you do kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just like something, you know, something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's move. Let's move on to uh, our section. Is it metal um, by talking about court's fate? 
as he uh, <laughs> as as he is snooping around in Kingston's room. I, I love that little I love that little beat where they're like, "Okay, you killed him." It turns out that he has the signet ring. You're lucky because otherwise you wouldn't have had a reason. Court very much sees somebody who would cheat in riddles. At, like if somebody would do that, that is immediately that is immediately evidence that they are not on the side of good. Remember the kid that that that, that, that Kingson court killed Kingson because uh, because Kingson d- decided to do an end run around the fair day riddling, right? <laughs> yeah. But in Kingson's room, he finds a you know a false floor, picks it up, and uh, finds this cursed book, which uh, is not only enchanted so that it shows you exactly what you want to see. In Court's case, you know, of uh, 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 basically my crimes dot text, uh, looking at uh, the, the the plans of Farson's army. Uh, but also, it is coated with a poison, uh, the same poison that was on the uh, that was on the blade that was delivered to Gabrielle, uh, which causes you to bleed to death, not just mm-hmm. internally, but from every pore. <laughs> <laughs> the book represents this poison as sort of a green Cheeto dust that uh, <laughs> builds up on his fingers. Oh man, Court and the Deathly Doritos. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, no, I. Those are some good panels where he's licking his fingers, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Van A comes in to try and stop him, but it's way too late, and we are treated to a couple of chapters, really, or one chapter of Court lying in bed, just bleeding from everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just go back a little because. But did anyone else think evil Doctor Who? All right, what? Because one of Doctor Who's major, I guess, tools that he always uses is a, a piece of psychic paper. Okay. That shows shows you exactly what you want it to see. Wait, wait, wait. It shows, it shows what the doctor wants the other person to see or just sort of like if I, I'm like, oh, man, I really hope I have a map of the Serengeti. It's going to uh, be a no, map it's, of the Serengeti? It's, 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 usually, it's usually a, a, a plot device so he doesn't – he can like flash a badge. Or okay. you know, you know, usually that sort of thing. Yeah, um, but all, this all is the... like a, the evil version of that. <laughs> I, 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 I do like the idea of him just like, okay, well, we need we, we need to get into we need to get into this facility. I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who in my life. I assume he's trying to get into facilities. Yeah, um, quite I often. mean, what else would you do if yeah, you were yeah. an interdimensional time traveler? <laughs> But he flashes the he flashes the piece of paper, thinking it's going to be the badge, but it's actually like the identity of the guard's father's killer. Like, oh, oh god, no! <laughs> he just like drops everything and runs. I knew I'm, it was I'm you, not Derek. Say that, that hasn't happened, but that sounds like something he would do. <laughs> He's all about lateral thinking, and he does like mm. go into a lot of facilities. <laughs> Doctor Who, there's one thing I know about him. <laughs> if there's a facility and he's on the outside of it, he wants to fix that situation. It, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the Star Trek thing. You know, you get a new little short sci-fi story every, you know, every episode, except when they do the plot. Mm, yeah. So, you know, and a lot of sci-fi happens in facilities. Yeah. <laughs> and on the golden eye map facility. <laughs> oh no, bobbleheads. <laughs> so chapter two. Uh, takes us into uh, a little bit of Roland's fate. He's been taken into into custody, but they have found, you know, the the, the dagger on Gabrielle's body. Um, this ends up being a little bit of a red herring, or it sets up a bad decision on Stephen's part because a guard says, "Hey, Martin is seen fleeing the city," and so Stephen decides, "All right, well, let's let's go after him," uh, which is a trap because anytime Stephen Deshane leaves the city, 
he runs right into a trap. Um, and while this yeah. is while this is happening, the, uh, the 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 last of the young or the basically the last of the gunslingers pay their respects to court, right, including Eileen. Yeah, this is a gross scene. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. I, the first shot is just him vomiting blood. <laughs> <laughs> this this shirtless scarred bald man just covered in blood he's got a, 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 a every pore is a stigmata like, come in Ugh. my my adopted daughter <laughs> sexism is wrong i've learned this now <laughs> yeah like i do I do like how he's just basically arguing with his doctor the entire time he's dying oh yeah it's wonderful well his doctor is lying to him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, which is something doctors really, uh, you know, maybe shouldn't do. I'm not a doctor. I've never been to doctor school. Maybe they are liars. I don't know. Ollie's trying to jump into facilities with their psychic paper. Oh, gosh. They call them diplomas. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. This is my new character. Somebody who is deeply skeptical of education. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But hey, in case you thought things were getting a little bit too a little bit too heavy, what with court bleeding out of every pore, uh, we get a little bit of levity here. Shimi comes back. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. If, she, if Shimi's not on screen, people should be saying, "Where's Shimi?" Um. Yeah. So he yeah. he's yeah. Here, he's here to rejoin his old friends. But he can't get you know can't get through the gate, so he uses his teleportation trick. They do do something cool with this though, which is they have him like lapse into into speaking way more cogently than Shimi would ever would ever speak. And at least at one point he says, "Oh, there I go again, speaking in somebody else's voice." <laughs> <laughs> because remember, yeah. he has been psychically enhanced, right, yeah. by robots or something. Yes, I still don't like Shimi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're, you're, you're allowed. That is, uh, that, that is fine. Especially here where he ends up just being kind of a, a plot delivery service. Yeah. Uh, he, mm, yeah, there's, it's fine. It, yeah. It's entire. It's better than he was in the, in the previous books. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's not doing a lot. Brian, I can't remember if, uh, if, if we have gotten your opinion on Shimi, um, in the past, I can't remember the last time you were on. These comics are my only true interaction with him okay. so far um he, he um i was surprised by his introduction i'm trying to keep a spoiler not um an anti-spoiler approach when approaching these so i saw that he does appear in the main books but i i'm only about in uh the fourth book right now so okay. i don't i don't think i've encountered him yet okay uh but my ugh, he's a tough sell that is a that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, just sort of accepting his presence in the story writ large. Yeah, I, I will say he does get a he, he does get a payoff that makes the that makes the juice at least somewhat worth the squeeze. That is oh, my that's good. That that is my assurance for everybody who is squeamish about Shimi. So as long as we're talking about overused king tropes, uh, um, I, I kind of want to just jump back because I forgot and I noticed it. Did anyone else see the picture of it on the wall? Yes, I did. No, I did, I did not. That. Yeah, someone's yes. hanging up a picture of Pennywise in the. Is it in the second issue? It's uh, when they're searching. Um, what's his name's quarters? Uh, oh, it's in Kingston's uh, room. Yeah, they're they're searching Kingston's room, and 
behind one of the the pictures is uh is Pennywise or it's a picture of Pennywise. Just know how you know how he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean anybody who would put up a picture of a clown is probably bad. Um unless it's Red Skelton, in which case, oh he's such a scamp. Um <laughs> <laughs> I truly am a man out of time. I just invoked Red Skelton. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know that reference, but no. I'll assume it's your Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, I don't it, know. I, Red Skellington is a thing in my mind for some reason. Uh-huh. I'm sure that's a pun somebody used at some point. Yeah, I, I, I mostly know Red Skelton from commercials for compilations, like VHS collections of his stuff. Right, so yeah, like the like, same time the Shirley Temple compilations would come on, right? Yeah, yeah, and he would like dress up as like a sad clown or whatever. My my primary touch point for him is the dentist that I used to go to was a big fan of his. So like <laughs> all over, uh, as if going to the dentist wasn't upsetting enough, right? Uh, just just all over, there was there would just be pictures of Red Skelton in his you know sad clown outfit and then it was also like above the chair attached to the ceiling so you're getting you're getting your your, your roots canaled and <laughs> you're the sad clown telling you that uh no actually everything is misery and things don't always get better what <laughs> all right i'm i'm gonna take a little internet break and look at this this character yeah, it, I... it is not skeleton it's skeleton i don't think this is the same oh no Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like a he's like a hobo clown is what is is what is uh, is what his character is. Oh Nothing no! Funnier than being poor. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh oh no! This is upsetting. <laughs> so just to, just just so, imagine that as you re. Yeah. So I initially saw the black and white picture, but then the 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 color image is just all the more upsetting. Mm-hmm. Ain't he a stinker? Uh, anyway, I forget. What I don't I'm... like this at all. <laughs> I'm closing that tab. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, but Shimi gets gets around the guards, uh, and this causes them to put up for, for further alert. And the chapter ends with that promised ambush happening. You know, Stephen and the others are ambushed as this quote unquote Martin leads them into a dead end where these slow mutants, which should be nothing more than just, you know, mindless beasts, uh, are actively using like poison darts and blow guns. Well, for, first they shoot Steven's horse. Um, and I think yeah. they hit its off button because again, <laughs> no, no, nothing happens between panels. We just get a single shot of this horse just completely doing a face plant. <laughs> like they just, <laughs> they made him into not a horse with a single dart. yeah this is yeah this is where the animation does not help or the the illustration yeah that's gotta be a powerful tranquilizer normal horse tranquilizers like 500 milligrams or something like that something (laughs) maybe like like, you know an an amount of liquid that's not just easily put on the top of a dart yes although (laughs) you know it, it, it it is martin who is teaching them to do this and also probably supplying them with stuff so it, it could be it could be preternaturally. And it's not it's it's not tranquilizer. It's just straight up you're you're dead because they end up they end up hitting Cuthbert's dad. They kill uh, they kill Robert, and we see like in the next uh, in, the, in the next chapter that he's like all desiccated and purple because of the effects of this. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> chapter three opens with a distraught Eileen 
uh, fearing that nobody will take her seriously. So she does the classic, well, I'm, she, she Mulan's Eileen Mulan's. Right. Um, and it's, yeah, to, to it, it's good. It seems fine. Like, it seems like, okay, cool. We're going to, it seemed I don't, like it, it's always that that was where her character was heading. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it seems counter to motivation though, because this happens right after court tells her, "Don't let anybody stop you from being as good as you actually are, just because you're a woman." And then she immediately turns around and cuts her hair and binds herself and dresses like a dude. Right. It, it doesn't it, seem to stick, though, by the time we get to the next book. Right. Which, I, I don't know. Like, eh. It's just like a weird Whatever. little diversion. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it's, kind of, it's a kind of commented upon and then just not until right. it isn't, which is, eh, whatever. I I, th- I think the, like, the ultimate purpose may be that because she ends up being the person who breaks Roland out of jail or gets him out of jail— it is supposed to set up, you know, a parody with, with with what happens with Susan, right? Where Susan dresses up as a, you know, as as one of the kind of vaqueros, right? And comes in and, you know, breaks them out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I yeah. can accept that that is what they are trying to do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it is the, it is the only, the only thing that I can see, the only justification. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, things are things are moving. Yeah, um, and, and uh, those slow mutants aren't just outside the city because Shimi's nearly killed by one of them inside the walls. Right. Yeah. Things are starting to go bad for Gilead. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> like, I mean, things were were bad, but like, not like okay, we've lost court at this point. Yeah. Now there's mutants in the walls. Yeah. Uh, and- they're supposedly rabble rousers stirring up trouble. Oh yeah, the 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 the, the populace is definitely poisoned. There 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 has been a definite like propaganda coup that's happened, and with the death of Robert Allgood, uh, we start the process of the remainder of this series being important people in Gilead dropping like flies, <laughs> right? Because Stephen comes yeah. back and says like, "Hey, Cuthbert, I need to talk to you. How do you feel about being an orphan? Yay or nay?" Um. You know, and kind of this running theme comes up. You know, we saw this with Eileen, but it's double underlined here. You know, Cuthbert basically says, I would have never taken up the gun if it could have meant that my dad would never die. Mm-hmm. Right. It's uh, it's sad. I like Cuthbert a lot. I don't want bad things to happen to him. <laughs> yeah. Eh. yeah, well, <laughs> do you, do you, that's a wish you don't get. Nope. <sighs> I know how he I know how he goes out. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. But yeah. Uh Van A turns out is uh, you know, shot dead by one of the city guards while he is preparing Court's body for burial, starting up almost this kind of like Lucy skit of errors as people discover the body and then they're killed immediately after they discover the most recently killed body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's not being played for comedy, but I laughed as they just kept on piling up. It's like a it's it, it's like a, a run of Hitman gone very bad. Oh gosh. <laughs> what is it? The um that terrible movie from the nineties, um My Father the Hero. What? Okay. You got me, man. 
So the there's premise. a scene where there's there's they're on a planet full of like a, I guess the, the, all the evil people are are idiots. So they they throw this device, which is a grenade, that if you pick it up, it you know disintegrates you. So they, they throw this thing, and then like an entire battalion is wiped out because they go like, oh look, they disappeared. You two, check it out. <laughs> all right, now you. <laughs> Oh, so, so so it's reusable, so it just keeps happening over and over again. I don't wait. I don't think it's the father of the hero. I think it, it's something. It's something around that lines, but not. I think my father of the hero is like a romantic sex comedy for some reason. <laughs> That's an awful title for a romantic sex comedy. <laughs> now, my daddy the hero is a different one. Oh. It's a very different kind yeah. of movie. Yeah, my father. Yeah, my father the hero is very much a a sex comedy. Weird. Uh, yeah, huh. but also from the nineties. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll do I'll do a little bit of searching around this and see. I think it's Mom and Dad Save the World. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, yeah, Mom and Dad Save the World. Okay. Huh. I'm sorry, I yeah. No, no, that is uh that 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 is perfectly fine. Starring starring Terry Gar, huh? Yep. I I yeah, that's and John Lovitz. <laughs> Yeah, John Lovitz and noted monster Jeffrey Jones. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, mm. you know, so with Van, Van A dead, Stephen is weighing his next move. You know, he, he's got this captured spy. You know, we saw him leading everybody else into more ambushes in a previous trade. Uh, Justice, I was giving bad advice saying like, hey, if Roland walks, the you know no matter how justified it is the you know the the the, the people will rise up and hang him you know they they will administer their you know their, their their own kind of justice you know for for killing their queen again this is the you know the, the 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 dropped plot thread of political and judicial intrigue that i wish that i could have seen here uh, right it it kind of just comes to nothing like roland is let out and then nothing matters yeah like it it potentially could be seen as motivation for steven you know acting without thinking you know, leading his men into right. more ambush, but but he's like killed immediately afterward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the 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 alternative, you know, to to having this happen is is basically like a wag the dog kind of thing. If you strike, if you strike against, uh, um, you know, Farson, he has the small the 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 small uh, encampment, you know, someone nearby. Then you know that will justify the war. He can be out, etc. Stephen goes for this, not you know, not understanding that justice isn't to be trusted right mm -hmm. um this is where eileen breaks roland out of jail and um this is also where jamie de curry's father who is like the head doctor for the gunslingers he walks in on the scene of van a's murder and is killed we have these guards <laughs> that just end up just, just just perforating people with these knives over and over again <laughs> i mean yeah you, they got to get better guards like, they do <laughs> but uh you know yeah. Oh, well. You better wish you'd, you'd put more points in charisma, I guess. Yeah, or maybe rotate them out, check their backgrounds, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But, um... Never mind. <laughs> Two-factor authentication on the guards. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how to make that joke that joke work. I, 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 have yeah. like a, I have, like, a rough outline of, like, oh, you, you get a second person to say six digits um yeah no i can't make it work i'm sorry man uh, yeah the world has moved on i wanted to help you 
Um, it's good. I think there's some very specific jokes because of who I am and where I work, but mm. we're good. Okay. <laughs> but everything here ends with uh, Steven's band being reduced to basically nothing because Justice has, has betrayed them once more. Uh, mm. It is not a small camp. It is basically the entire army that they have walked into, all of our right. forces. Uh, but they do, they kind of, I do like, um, I, I guess, uh, Steven's response where he, he figures out the logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you haven't shot me yet, so obviously you want to take me alive. So I'm just going to stand here and start shooting people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, it's such an incredibly badass scene that yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of surprised this, I haven't seen this in a movie somewhere, yeah. actually. Deducing that, like, oh, you actually can't hurt me, so. Right. So I'm just going to, I got I got bullets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just makes me want even more the uh, the, the, the adventures of young Stephen Deshane's quartet. <laughs> I want to I wanna learn more about what he has done, but who knows if we'll ever get that. Mm. Oh, well. Um, yeah. Chapter, been. chapter five and uh, opens up with this, you know, crazy long flashback, not crazy long, but flashing back to a long time ago of Arthur Eld actually building Gilead. Um, and that narrator, that goddamn narrator, just talking yeah. about what a great, what a great man Arthur Eld is. Are you guys as bothered by the narrator as I am? It became <laughs> white noise at a certain point. Yeah, like it's it's uh, pretty not good. It's just, yeah, it's just useless. It doesn't actually add that much information. Yeah, I feel like it. It doesn't, but it also doesn't work well enough because if you take out all the words in this. There's not enough action, like in between panels, yeah, to, t- to tell what's going on. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind yeah. of you're 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 caught in this weird gutter. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, but yeah. Um, the, uh. t- the takeaway here is that Arthur Eld, uh, in his infinite wisdom, uh, has actually built Gilead with all these traps, basically these pits that are uh, the, the, the that are pop or that are. Uh, you know, pocking this entire place. Um, only Stephen, uh, Stephen DeShane and Christopher John survive the ambush. You know, they basically are both wounded and they prop each other up on their walk back. Um, and they order, Hey, let's, you know, let's prepare, let's prepare the city for battle. Um, this is another part of the comedy of errors. Uh, <laughs> Christopher John is killed <laughs> when he, when he discovers, uh, De Curry's body going in to get, uh, going, to, going in to get yeah. patched up. <laughs> Those those blue blue shirted guards. Yep, it's, it's like yeah. the it's they like all the dress one. alike. They, 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 so, so, so they all dress alike, but it's like the one with like the blonde crew cut who does all the wet work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm. and then Stephen goes down as he's looking over the plans for the traps, right? Uh, trying to figure out right. where where they're all at. The same guard, you know, the blonde crew cut guy comes up, stabs him through the chest, and you think, okay, well, that's going to be the end of it. No, because Stephen DeShane is no no, no mere mortal. He instead brains his assailant with a wine bottle and then shoots him out of a window before he can escape yeah. with the plans for where the, for where the traps are. Um, and thus ends the, 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 the saga of Stephen DeShane as both Alan and Roland find their father's dead, and Roland takes up the mantle, the final dean of Gilead. Dean of Gilead. Yeah, the, the dean of Gilead College. <laughs> <laughs> going around putting, putting Martin on double oh. seeker probation. Um, 
you know, and it is oh, now man. up to the young guns to, 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 to lead the, the, the defense of the city. What do you guys think of Steven's final moments? I think this is actually a pretty, of the sequences in this book, this is actually pretty good. I actually have it open on my, my iPhone now and I'm just kind of flipping through it. And and this one works like, yeah. and also like strolling your a message in your blood, never not cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just up and down <laughs> all metal all the way. Um, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good death scene. Um, absolutely ridiculous, but amazing. Cause when he shoots that man, he shoots him out the window and it, with all of his body, he falls out of it. It <laughs> is. <laughs> it's, like shoots, it's like he shot him in the stomach with a cannon. <laughs> Jeez. I, I mean, they're big guns. Yeah, right? true. Yeah. The, the big irons. Yeah. Um, I forget. Murph, can you tell me what, what, uh, what Steven wrote in his blood? I, I... Open the pits. Open the pits. Right. There we go. I, I forgot to make a note of that. Yeah, that is totally, uh, the instruction, the, the the final key to defending Gilead, as we enter as we enter chapter six with Farson at the gates, we get a little flashback here of the apprentices, you know, having discovered and armed the booby traps. There's this elaborate signaling routine, um, and this is where we get into that thing that Brian that 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 you brought up of just whole pages that are like two whole, I don't know, two page spreads that are just big still images of battle. Yep. Yeah. Just one after the other. Yeah, I wish there was a little bit more. And like, as I appreciate the fact that like they, you know, the mutants are on the front line and they fall into the pit, forming the bridge over for the rest of them. Like that is that is a good idea. It's almost like they dedicate so much page real estate to conveying that in the least efficient, least interesting way possible. <laughs> yeah. It. I. It seems like the narrator seems to, in, to imply that there's a that these pits are just enormous, but mm-hmm. like the illustrations just do not seem to convey a sense of scale, mm-hmm. which I kind of want, but I, I'm just not getting. Right. I want to see whole fields completely drop away from under them. Right. Because it, it sounds really cool what they're doing, but it, the, the look of it is just not there. Yeah. I don't know. And also we don't, we don't really get to see the wall blades pay off. Like they bring in a siege engine. Like, I don't know. Like I wish they had, I wish they had room to camp out on this a little bit. Also the opposing army has tanks. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. Seems like Gilead doesn't have much of a chance. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, it's, uh, there's a little bit of uh, the video for cakes going the distance to this, (laughs) you know, where it's the horse against the, uh, against, against the race cars. Um, the idea being that one, one gunslinger is, is as effective as hundreds of, you know, non-trained opponents or whatever, but yeah, Farson, you know, his whole game is unearthing the old technologies, right? So yeah, they, they, they don't really stand a chance and they like the walls of Gilead are breached causing Roland and everybody have to leave the walls to kind of go inside. We get the one final betrayal by the guards, um, uh, as they go down to the sanctuary where the women and children are hiding. Um, and we don't actually see what happens. We see a little bit of the aftermath as the gunslingers come in and kill them. And they've got like a little bit of unearned confidence. Like, oh man, it would have been really embarrassing if they killed us. They didn't even have, they didn't even have fuel in their flamethrowers, right? What a bunch of doofuses. Oh, they had fuel in their flamethrowers. They used it to kill everybody who was hiding. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. 
And so they have to escape basically walking down these lanes of huddled bodies that have been burned. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, I think they're trying to get off on a, a sense of the just numbers of people dead, but I don't know. It, things seem off. I don't know. Like, especially with the, uh, the pit was filled with mutants. So mm. how many, am I supposed to be impressed by the number of, of mutants there are or the size of, I don't know. Like you're trying to tell me this pit's really big, but now I'm more impressed by the number of mutants. And then, so how much fuel did you have? Mm. It seems like you, there's like, like even more than the, that one scene from spec ops, the line. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, thro- they're throwing scale around willy nilly a little bit. Yeah. But eh, it's like, I think, Oh man, this sucked. This was real bad. <laughs> it, it communicates that, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. All, all, all hope is lost, and you know what this what this lays down is there is no Gilead left to defend, right? All the remains of Gilead right. is the people who are on their feet and carrying guns. You know, as they as they flee out of the flee out of the city, and Martin raises the banner, you know, the icon of the Crimson King. Um, over Gilead, claiming it uh, once and for all. Um, and that is the fall of Gilead. Any any thoughts on that particular trade, uh, Brian? Overall, I felt pretty good about it. Um, yeah. It definitely had because um, I, you know, I uh, there's a very much a lack of being in Gilead in the main books proper. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting to see the the final moments. Uh, I do agree that there. I do see a different universe where it's a very different kind of fall of Gilead, but uh, for what they went with, I mostly liked the decisions they made. Mm-hmm. Not so much, you know, the comic itself, but like the the, ver- the mechanical details of how they told it were, mm-hmm. you know, iffy, but overall, pretty good. Um, it should be it should be noted that there is a bunch of retconning in this. Like there is no time for Roland to have gone off and you know headed to Debaria, right? You know, mm-hmm. King King, you know, filled in those details. You know, Court Court was never left to die infirm. You know, with dementia being taken care of by Roland, um, like happens and went through the keyhole, he dies miserably. Um, it's that's just a matter of of King deciding you know, d- 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 deciding where he wanted the story to go and saying, yeah, we can probably jettison some of the comic continuity. So, um, now we can move on to the battle of Jericho Hill, which is a direct continuation of this. Uh, these issues ran from December, 2009 to April of 2010. Uh, and it's five issues, uh, that, uh, lead up to, you know, not, you know, we've already seen the fall of Gilead, but we want to see the breaking of Roland's initial content. We've gotten, Small snippets of this from, you know, specifically book one, a uh, little bit of book four, talking about the ultimate fates of his friends. But here we get to see it in really gory detail. <laughs> there are people alive. Yeah. They need to be dead. Yep. Okay. We got to get to that point. <laughs> yep. So, we, we need it, to show so, how it happens. It, uh, yeah. Like, I know I don't want to, I don't know. Did, did anyone else? I felt this book was a little, I don't know, maybe unnecessary. Like, I feel like. You know, Alain and, and, and uh, or his, his cotet could have died at the Battle of Gilead and Roland could have escaped. Right. I feel like that. But that, like if they that, did that, then people would have felt cheated that they didn't get to, you know, their own individual deaths. Then we didn't get to feel the individual impact of each one. 
I, I see why from a publishing perspective, it felt like this story was necessary, but I do also agree with you in the end. I mean, you're, you're reading the book and you know, the entire time it's like, yep, one by one, I'm just going to watch these people fall. It's unnecessarily right. maximalist in the way that like the star Wars prequels are. <laughs> right. Yeah. It like, but how did you know? How did Bert die? Well, here <laughs> it's like, oh well, I, I, like I, I know he died laughing with it with an arrow in his eye, and I was, I was pretty content with that just being a be, being a battle, <laughs> be, being right, a battle yeah. that was shown off screen, right? But no, but, but Cole, what if I, what if, what if we follow the journey of that arrow from the Fletcher? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for a hundred years, this tree grew. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh this is where we get a little bit of an age up on roland though um a bunch of time passes so he's no longer a 15 year old kid yeah yeah i don't know so sorry that was that was that was an abrupt (laughs) no 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 no. like i'm I'm trying (laughs) to segue it so it kind of felt that way but also he doesn't really act all that different right so the the impact of him growing up like again, I feel like these fourteen and fifteen year olds are way more mature than I am mm-hmm. <laughs> in my mid thirties. Yeah, so. and also the like their their dynamic doesn't change, you know, but, but yeah. between the three of them, which you know, I guess dynamics between groups of friends don't really don't really change an awful lot. But like you do have wisecracking Cuthbert and stoic Elaine, and that's about it. Not that's about it, but you know what I mean. But right. Yeah, it's been seven years. So, yeah. Good. Like, I mean, time time passes, but and lots the world seems to change, but these this the quartet doesn't. Yeah. Which I don't know. I do like the idea that they are a kingdom in exile, basically an army, an army without without any land to fight for anymore, and that they continue to you know like elude and harry uh, Farson's Farson's group. Right. It, yeah. It's a real kind of like. Hey, rebellion story, which is sometimes is really good. Yeah. But then if you know it's not going to work out, it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, man, I, I, I wish they would have gone and hidden out somewhere and lived their lives to the fullest while they could. It, you're right. Or maybe this this is a generational story. Yeah. You know, it, you know, we, we can't do anything, but maybe a generation from now. Yeah. I don't know. You know, yeah. things have to die. The world is moving on. Yep. Speaking of moving on over this time, like they keep on coming back to Gilead and watching it um, decay more and more. Like it opens up with this once beautiful city that we've seen now crawling with mutants, right? It's just an empty mm-hmm. shell. Farson has left it behind because they got what they wanted or most of what they wanted uh, by, right. by breaking the affiliation, right? You know, the gunslingers uh, survey this and we get um, we get a little bit of a, a preview of stuff to happen later in the books. Uh, Martin swoops down. You know he's been waiting in ambush, following them, uh, and Shimi kind of like jumps in, intercepts this lightning bolt as a beam quake happens, causing a fissure to erupt. Uh, neither of you have finished reading the series, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yes, so sir. a beam quake comes out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a like I, I think it's a cool idea. So what's happening is you know with the fall of Gilead and Farson and the Crimson King's forces being here, they've been working on you know taking down the tower, not directly, but by you know attacking the beams themselves, right? And when one of those snaps, mm. what happens is it's you know it just tears a line along the earth. Uh, one Ooh. of these 
one of these happens in book five, I believe, as the uh, as the as the plans continue. But like this is this is where Roland has experience with them. It's a little bit like the uh, the Stark blast in uh, in went through the keyhole. Um, but yeah, you know, Shimi's knocked unconscious, and he gets another thing that we're going to see a little bit later: these visions of kind of the manifestations of the beams. Right? He sees these this group of young men, you know, all of which are covered in blood. They're harmed. They say, "Hey, we're dying," uh, and one of them is dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is, I think that's a real cool concept is just the personification of these, this abstract thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm kind of like with, even with these, the orbs, like maybe they're not, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm, uh, I, I kind of like it a little better, but like that's, that's a trope that works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what is it? There's that, that one game coming out where you, you can date your weapons or something. So every, <laughs> there's so many of those now. Yeah. It's a whole genre. Yeah, I know. Point. Yeah, it's it's a specific one though. I forget it's it's a it's a team that has done done stuff before that I enjoy. I know what you're talking about though. It's like a dungeon crawler, except it's uh yeah, it's got a dating sim kind of thing. That's ridiculous, though. right? Yeah. Um, oh, so man. I'm I'm fully in. <laughs> Go ahead. So Brian. this miniseries had an art change. Um, so the last two the things we read were uh, Richard as a is a nobe on art. Mm-hmm. And uh, their main artist was Jay Lee, I think, on the first two miniseries. Mm-hmm. So this one, uh, Battle of Jericho Hill, is both of them working together. And I wanted to mention this specifically because, Murph, when you're talking about uh, when you see too much detail, that's Jay Lee drawing. Oh. And when it's more plain, it's Richard Isanove. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. What else has Richard Isanove okay. done that we would recognize? Nothing. He's mostly a cover artist. Okay. Uh, so he like does a bunch of variant covers and like he's he's I mean, so you know how there are the A T A tier, B tier and the C tier artists and he's kind of just in the C tier pool. So he's he's cheap, he's reliable, he's good to get something done on a schedule. Hmm. You know? Gotcha. You know, and if you and now that you mentioned that he does a lot of cover art, like a lot of these panels look like a lot of covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah some people static. just have that specialty of uh, more like illustration rather than actual like comic art, you know? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> Brian, you, you talking that way about like the trade-offs between different artists, like, oh, he's reliable, but it's a little bit less inspired, et cetera, just gives me like flashbacks <laughs> to being a project manager for, for animation. <laughs> like so, sitting down and just like weighing the trade-offs for like different style artists and stuff. I didn't expect to to get that feeling so acutely. <laughs> no that's that, I, I i honestly i have no insight into that world so i'm happy that you that you brought that oh sure because that that, that, so, that yeah. does explain quite a bit yeah no like yeah this is i, I i'm not quite as much of a a comic uh guy as, as brian is but like i definitely like when i'm reading my x-men like i definitely say oh okay i recognize this artist and i know that i'm gonna get this kind of thing from him mm-hmm uh, or, or, or you know this kind of things in style and usually tone. Uh, it, it's it's weird how much the it's a, a real collaboration between writer and an artist in in this in this medium. Hmm. Oh yeah, it's totally different than almost anything else you can read. Like you, it's you have to be working together almost every stage of the process. Unlike lots of other genres, you know, yeah. mediums, media. Yeah, I know how to pluralize <laughs> Latin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like you're coming up with one thing, like a layout, and then packaging that up so it's to be handed off without any of your future involvement, like it is an animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just, I'm just looking through, I'm flipping through this, and the the 
panel layout and this when it's when it is not the full page things it seems to be a little riskier like i even see an orb in the center of one of these pages so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> blow, blow, blow that up and you got a cover yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, but yeah it seems like they're the there's definitely a you can tell that there more than one person have worked that works on this because mm-hmm. there's I, I I can say okay yeah this this page was that guy this page was the other guy yeah like it it's very distinct even though they are they have a very similar style yeah just the, the like layouts a, a good editor will find artists that have matching you know symp- simpatico styles to yeah. work on books together like I do think like of the people they could have chosen he he actually does a pretty good imitation of jay lee's art style yeah but without right. without that unappealing like the unappealing mouths that that jay lee will draw <laughs> god the, the the mouths in those early books man in the in the early gunsinger books rather um yeah, yeah. oh yeah we, we, we get a little bit more exposition here we learn that you know the 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 world moving on these symptoms you know physics starting to break down that not even broken clocks are right twice a day anymore that day and night <laughs> happen whenever they want to, that distance and direction are getting out of whack. And that's because the Crimson King's plan is, you know, coming to fruition. We see that with the, with the, with the beam quake, we also learn that he is putting psychics in prisons for some reason that they can't discern, uh, something related to the beams again, looking, looking further <laughs> down the line. <laughs> Did oh. you predict that I was going to send you to prison? No, you didn't. <laughs> You're a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. In the cell, Miss Cleo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the, the the beam that runs through Gilead, the eagle lion beam, has been destroyed, but enough of it remains to guide them. So the mission is, once again, you know, because, you know even though we have no Gilead to protect, we are now uh, to head to the, uh, you know, to follow the beam to the Dark Tower. Who knows which direction we need to go? You know, we, maybe we find the we find the Guardian, uh, you know, and then we just turn around and walk the other way. But we're going to do this. But of course, we have to do it after Shimi pees. Because we have to get that, we have to get, we have to have all the gravitas <laughs> sucked out of this. Because you know, Roland says, "All right, it is time for us to go." Well, I need a bathroom break. Okay, Shimi, go ahead and do this. Boom! Nine years later, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he he really yeah. had to pee. Yeah. It took nine years. <laughs> it was like the beginning of Austin Powers. <laughs> oh jeez! Yeah, that that was a really odd moment for such like what you know this storyline's going to be. You know it's ultimately going to be this tragedy, and I guess that's what they're trying to you know curve your expectations on. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just throw that in there, it's like, hey man, I know everyone here is going to die. Are we really doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he is a teenage boy, and they do spend a lot of time in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, this takes us to another uh, time skip, uh, chapter two. It's, <laughs> nine, it's nine years later. Shimi's finally done peeing. Um, and the eroding walls have uh, kind of turned them back around, and they're back at Gilead. Um <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of at the center of Farson country. Uh, and they, you know, the, the Gilead's fighting forces have kind of become, a, you know, become guerrillas as we talked about. We get to see the Farson is like reviving not just tanks at this point, but is bringing laser beams back online. So I guess this is my question is, how did you get back to Gilead? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, it, it, it's not like we're gonna, we're going for the tower and then. Nine years later. Well, we didn't go to the tower. <laughs> like, why? 
<laughs> you, you you tell me everything else. Yeah. I need. I'm... It's a real lost woods situation over there. Yeah. They did. They I, didn't yeah, figure I, out I, the puzzle to head towards the tower. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess. Like. Oh. It's kind of like how Roland is implied to have spent like millennia chasing Walter around the Mohane Desert, but then you look at it on a map and I'm like, oh, like that is like twenty miles of desert at most. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have no uh, idea. Yeah. Uh, all I can say, and this sounds like a cop out, beams. All right. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 good enough for everything else. It might as well be good here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, they're able to destroy this gigantic... I love the way this laser array looks. It's like a big bug that's on the end of a gigantic pole. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, it's, I guess it's supposed to look otherworldly and alien, and it, that it does. Yes. Um, and they are, they are able... They're finally able to, uh, you know, to destroy this, but not before they vaporize somebody. <laughs> they're they're, they're <laughs> amazed as the body disappears in the flash of light. Uh, but all of this is preamble for another betrayal and the introduction of this character um, who has a similar motivation you know, that we've seen time and time again. We have this guy named Randolph who's a gunslinger, you know, who is way too attached to his job. He doesn't go with his family as they gather berries and they're kidnapped by a mutant, you know, while they're out. And ultimately they are used as leverage and it becomes the undoing of the uh, of the remains of Gilead. And I... I've seen the same idea done so many times in these comics. We've done four of these trades and it's popped up six times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I was like, I almost said again, like <laughs> I, I had to check and make sure like, is this just a retelling of something that happened before? And now I, I just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> no. Nope, yeah. All keep, right. Keep, this is, this is it. Keep, here's the thing. It keeps working. Yeah. So why stop? <laughs> That's kind of like it's kind of like Stephen Deshane like always being led into ambushes. <laughs> I think it's poorly uh, motivated. Brian, convince me that I'm wrong to be upset about this. You can't. I'm so sorry. Could you give me a summary of the thought again? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just I wanted to get your thoughts on on, on the repetition of that device. Uh, what, by, sorry, the, what, what device? That's what I, I kind of lost the oh, thread. Sorry. Oh, the, uh, the 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 gunslinger who has something or somebody dear to him taken, so it causes him to betray. Well, the it group sure as makes me. It sure makes me believe that gunslingers aren't as great as they say they are. No. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they're a little bit too hyped up. Maybe they're believing their own, uh, believing their own stories. <laughs> God. I mean, even like the this this kidnapping story even follows the same beats in that you know the bad guys kill like they they take two people they kill one of them prematurely the 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 gunslinger being blackmailed still continues to betray and then they they kill the third you know yeah the second person regardless yeah like ugh oh well yeah. Yeah, but that sets up and this this, this will this will continue throughout the uh, throughout this trade. Chapter three um, opens here with Roland and his allies, um, you know, talking with somebody about, you know, Farson's recent kind of stuff here. Um, 
and also kind of being unable to find Randolph's wife and child, you know, picking up Randolph was that one who betrays, you know, so they agree to send out and look for them. But, you know, Randolph knows where they're at, but he is under Martin's thumb, you know, as, uh, is, as he is kind of re- basically relaying all of the gunslingers plans over the course of years. At one point they say, yeah, they've kind of outmaneuvered us for a, for us for a year straight. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> they just can't they, they they can't do this and brian as you alluded to you know they, they they do it does follow those beats martin kills his martin kills randolph's wife because randolph is tardy and tardiness is uh the product of a disordered mind or something yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. it's always better if you're not 15 minutes early you're late <laughs> uh, uh. I, I I cannot comment because I was ten minutes late to this recording. So, <laughs> but you sent a well, note, that's... so that like negates that. True. I mean, Cole, I also failed to kidnap kidnap your wife and child. So, <laughs> wait a minute, I had a wife and child. Me, not anymore. I mean, not anymore. <laughs> right? Don't be late. Jeez, that's dark. <laughs> 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 yeah um but the centerpiece of this chapter though is uh our <laughs> i'd never expected them and I, I had no recollection of them doing this so I remember back in book one when uh oh gosh roland and jake are below the mountain they find that subway station with all of that ancient technology and roland tells jake about the uh the tribe that he found in the in in the desert where they worshipped a gas pump and one of them even used it as a surrogate penis that's a that's a callback. That is the, the that yeah. is a callback. We get to see it here, <laughs> and it's not just somebody that he that, that that he ran across in his travels. Like the cult of Amoco or Amoco uh, is actually like a, a, an asset of Farsons. You know, it is an oil field that is even bigger than the one at Hambry, um, and we get to see the leader like mm-hmm. swinging this thing around. Like, look at me, look at look at my gas cock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but like, then... this is an interesting idea. It like it's it's very Fallout, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, this is, it this is. is very weird, w- weird Wild West, which is where this kind of series shines. It definitely excels. You know, it it goes a step beyond. It even like probably shows how much further, how much further the world has fallen. That you know, in Hambury, it's just oh, we just we name that place Sitgo. We name it after the uh, the the oil company. Um, you know, because that's what's, that's what's on, on all the equipment. Now, these years on, it becomes a, a an object of religious fixation, right? Amico right. isn't just the place name. It is the name of their airsats God. <laughs> but yeah, oh boy. they're like getting ready to sacrifice prisoners by dousing them with oil. Like it is, it is far more Mad Max than I've, than I've seen the series get. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's 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 real like this is a good little little snippet of story. Yeah. Um but that, that is immediately exploded. <laughs> well, uh, literally. Like they they they, yeah. they 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 deny Farson this oil uh by by lighting the place on fire, but not before they're able to save some of the prisoners. But while they're doing this, Randolph um actually betrays the group and betrays Shimi, handing him over to Martin, you know. Uh Shimi tries right. to then- send send out a warning. But uh, uh, no dice. It doesn't go. So is, is this the end of Shimi? Is that how that, it's, that story kind of? It's the end of Shimi for now. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, this is this is setting him up. I, I believe there's another one-off that is about Shimi's Shimi's kind of journey that happens uh, some, somewhere <laughs> somewhere a little bit later. How does he Forrest Gump across the wastelands and <laughs> yeah. on the way to the Tower? Yeah, uh, th- this does explain how he fall how he ends up where he ends up though. You know, okay, how how he ends up in uh, in Martin's hands. But it's sad because you know Shimi is a good friend. He is. Eh. <laughs> I, I, he's definitely not a bad guy or anything. No. <laughs> like I can't hate the guy, but yeah, it's just uh, a... he's the Jar Jar Binks of the Dark Tower. <laughs> oh, shots fired! Yeah, yeah, I said it. <laughs> um, chapter four. Again, we have another ambush being planned. This time, attacking Rimrocks, uh, trying to uh, destroy Farson's ammo dump. Uh, and all of his tanks and such, uh, but again they are uh, they are outmaneuvered by Randolph, um, who wants to get his son back, um, and ultimately this ends up being like uh, like Martin makes a good point. Like after all of these years, if you return with your son, people are going to wonder like where he's been and how you actually got him. They're going to know right away. So why don't you just defect? But he's not going right. to do it because despite the fact that he's been betraying his friends for years, Randolph still has some kind of pretense of honor. It, it feels like he would he would honestly do less damage if he just like, all right, all right, I'm on this team now. If he just disappeared. Yeah. That or <laughs> disappeared or just join Randolph flat, like just just being just be a normal dude in his army. Like you'll <laughs> you'll do less damage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and instead he thinks that he is uh helping everybody, but it, it, he just provides cover to bring Randall Flag to, you know, to to bring Flag, Martin, whatever, into into the camp. Uh with actually a pretty clever disguise. Not only uh does he <laughs> does he turn himself into kind of this monk slash penitent, which becomes his uh man in black persona, you know, that that Roland ends up chasing mm-hmm. across the desert. But um in order to, you know, say in in order to provide more collateral not just the sun you say like well you captured martin as well he grabs a crow and transmutes it into uh, into a replica of himself but because he can't teach the crow to talk he has to bind his mouth so he doesn't start just start shouting caw caw (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's when he shoots the crow um the gunshot is spelled out with three a's and every other gunshot is spelled out with one as if it's somehow an elongated gunshot (laughs) He went into bullet time. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Very slow mo panel right there. Yeah. Um, I don't have an answer for why for why that would be. But it's <laughs> a good something weird. Yeah. It's 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 a good fake out because the actual Martin has gotten out of all of his trouble by turning into a crow anyway. So this wouldn't actually look any different, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> who who knows? Um, their general Demolet, who is named and absolutely should should not be named if he is going to be named Demolet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're, if I'm gonna hate a guy, that's oh. a good name for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's he's a good guy though. He's just a bad he's just a bad general on their side. Fair. Yeah, uh, but uh, Randolph has given them bad uh b- bad intel. Rimrocks isn't isn't an ammo depot. It's been abandoned. Right. Um, turns out that it's just more, more ambush. And this is where the, the, the fullness 
of the betrayal is laid out. Um, but all of this leads to uh, another battle and a lot of confusion in in, in, in the uh, in the ambush at the camp. So much confusion, in fact, that Alan Elaine riding back to break some of the news that he has discovered um, is accidentally shot. Both uh, both Cuthbert and Roland fire at him. Neither of them know who shot the killing blow, but they are both just immensely guilty because they have killed their best childhood friend. Yeah. I, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that is uh, tragic. It is, it is such it is such an unceremonial, ignominious death. Um, he didn't deserve that. He should he should have gotten a, he should have gotten a better end. More more of them should have. I liked I liked Alan a lot. Oh well. Ah, but but pathos. Pathos. Yes. But uh his final words are confirming Randolph's betrayal. Um and so Cuthbert says, All right, well, you you know, we, we, we may we may have I forget how it's said, like we may have shot Alan, but you put him in our sights. You know, it's up to, you know, like, we, we need to kill you. Like, the, 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 we need to get the re revenge. You you have you have harmed us for years. Randolph says, no, it's not your right to kill me. And, you know, that's only me. And Randolph kills himself, denying, den you know, denying them the uh, the revenge, right? And kind of right. putting the, uh, putting everything, you know, into the final motions, right? Because they realize how well and truly fucked they are because they have been walked basically right into... A situation of being surrounded yeah and this is this is where yeah. roland fire f fires his extremely elongated bullet at the crow <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and this uh, is a cool sequence though like... I, like, I like this a lot I like it's 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 a good plan that's a good plan that the wizard has yeah but yep yeah. and then he wizards out of it yep yeah. <laughs> bye Call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yes this ends uh with farson's army attacking we don't realize that this encampment that they're at is jericho hill like they they just say it like oh no they're coming to attack us here at jericho hill where we all die <laughs> that's the <Yeah>. title <laughs> <laughs> hey that's the name of this show um, but so, this is, so tired of all these jerichos and hills <laughs> <laughs> uh eileen is the first one to go she takes a spear through her chest um uh she does she doesn't actually die she pops up again in the next uh in the next trade um but you know oh, really? she takes I, a spear through that the chest definitely that's that seemed pretty final but maybe yeah, yeah right, they, definitely, you, they they play it as a death for sure mm -hmm. yeah they talk about like her brain shutting off <laughs> yep. no she's she's back <laughs> okay it is very strange right. I, I think that eileen is just kind of the pet the pet character of uh of, of the creators of this and they decided there was more they wanted to say with her um i mean I, as someone who reads x-men like i can't really complain no 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 gene <laughs> um <laughs> oh let's talk about yeah or wolverine at this point oh yeah that's true is he back or is he still is he still that go that goofy looking lump of adamantium aren't they both uh, back this year Yes. Well, it depends which gene. Oh no! So so okay. <laughs> well, there the, 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 there was that original. They they they, re, they rebooted back to the original five, didn't they? But that is like a time loop thing. Who hasn't been seen since the Morrison issues? How about that? Okay. okay. Is, has she I, been I'm not back? Sure. I'm not sure. I know that the 
the gene they bought that Beast brought from the past uh, to the future, and then they kind of stayed. Yes. Uh, is, is still around. Yeah, that was a, that was a few years back now. It's been a while. You're right, but she, yeah, she's still around, and but Cyclops, I think, is still dead. Hmm. Except for that Cyclops. <laughs> right. Of course. Cyclops is young again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> See, he was killed in Battle World. Was he? Okay. <laughs> trying to use the Phoenix Fourth. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, the. <laughs> X Men really kind of is like the Taco Bell of comics, where they have the same the same five ingredients that they just remix over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love X Men. I love it to death. No, yeah, it's real great. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so Jamie DeCurry, our friend from uh, the Went Through the Keyhole, our, our friend who said two words in the entire series, uh, he dies trying to protect Roland. Roland is really upset, but Cuthbert says, like, you, you realize that he died protecting his din. You can't be upset about this. You gave him the best death possible. So, yeah. Mm, yeah you can be a little upset. <laughs> yeah, you can be upset. You, you, can, feel, you can feel guilty. <laughs> Uh, but of course, Cuthbert is not around to uh, to equivocate about this for much longer because we get to see uh, him die. Martin uh, is there, present at the battle, fires a crossbow bolt straight into Cuthbert's eyes. Um, mm. You know, and Cuthbert, you know, dies. He doesn't die laughing like is described in the books. I would have much preferred if we had that. You know that that kind of canonical scene represented. It would very much be in the uh, in the spirit of the character. And since this is the only representation of that we get, I would have liked to have seen him do that. No, instead, he just kind of dies making sardonic remarks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's less of a good line, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little bit too wordy. <sighs> anyway, um, the general that Farson has sent in his in instead, Grissom, he, uh, you know, shoots down Roland, right? You know, in, in, in injures him. Grissom asks for surrender, but then, you know. Roland refuses. Actually, he says, <laughs> I like this exchange, actually. Grissom shouts at mm -hmm. him, surrender. And Roland says, no, I won't accept your surrender. Purposefully misinterpreting what Grissom said. Uh, but that is, that, that, that is a good line. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good bit of banter. Yeah, it's a real real princess bride. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I hate to be that guy. <laughs> no, but that's fine. I, f I forgot that that happened in the, in the in the Princess Bride. I about said the Crimson Bride, which sounds uh -oh. like the sounds like the name of like a like a like a K horror series. And the grim and gritty <laughs> horror reboot. <laughs> you know that's yeah. yeah. Aren't they rebooting that? Oh, never mind. I are they? To, mm, I, mm, they can't not be right. That seems so unnecessary. Like, are they gonna get the? Are they gonna get the? That's the why. <laughs> are they gonna get the fucking Rock to play Andre the Giant's role? Like, oh man, Cole. No, I just wish that you, into existence, you, didn't I? Are you, yeah, you did. You just, yeah, that's going to happen now. Uh, he's not big enough. Oh, they they can, should get the mountain yeah. from Game of Thrones. <laughs> they can do, they can do like, Hobbit technology, though. They can foreshorten them. <laughs> he's funny enough to do it, though. That's the thing. That's like, the thing, right? Like, he's charming. Like, he's yeah. a very charismatic man. He's just overexposed. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't be that mad. Yeah. About that part. It turns on. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get into the ending. You know, the, 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 the battle has happened. You know, Farson and his men are piling up the bodies, you know, of the deceased gunslingers, the remains of the of the resistance here. Uh, and Roland is among them, but he's only playing dead. 
um, and he only survives because there's an order, you know, we need the bodies intact, you know, so, so Farson can have his, uh, you know, can have his fun with them, something like that. And that is the only reason that Roland isn't, you know, chopped up or burned or anything like that. Uh, I mean, that, I understand that rule, but I feel like a special exception should be made for the monarch of the opposing army. Yeah. Just saying. Br- bring, yeah. bring his head. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Instead, all we get is Martin spitting on Roland's body. It's just best practices, is all I'm saying. Yeah, you can just be sure, you know? <laughs> so I'm slightly confused. Cause doesn't, doesn't the Crimson King need... Uh roland alive or something or is this i don't know he, is, he, is he needs roland's gun just oh he just needs the gun okay yeah seems like a perfect opportunity to take that gun yeah, yeah it does <laughs> it's just there right there yeah yeah and this this was written after the after the series concluded so they definitely could have worked that into a plot point but nope he's got the he's got the sandalwood grips and everything they just uh okay yeah i guess he snuck away before they before they took it I don't but, know. I mean, you got time to spit. You got time to loot. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's what every bad manager at a fast food place has said. Time to spit, yeah. time to loot. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, we just got to make that rhyme. I don't know how. but uh, I, mm. No, I, I, can't, I can't think of anything. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> t- 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 time to loogie, time to boogie. Um. <laughs> that's as close as i can get it's a slant right I, yeah. i'll accept it yeah <laughs> so but that's where this ends you know roland has survived uh you know martin believes that he has cut short you know roland's quest for the dark tower he believes that everything is in his hands but uh you know this kind of brings us up to where we understand things have ended you know the battle of jericho hill is the you know the the the, the breaking of his original katet this is where everybody who walked beside him died in the name of his quest Again, continuing insult on top of insult, on top of injury, on top of tragedy. Um, Brian, final thoughts about uh, about these two uh, these two trades, these stories that we just uh, that we just talked through. The Battle of Jericho Hill, I don't think, was as successful in getting what it needed done. No, um, and like, it feels, it really did feel like they kind of like they knew they had to tell the story. But, um, like, had to make it its own thing. It couldn't just be, like, a tacked-on thing to something else. But I think it ultimately would have worked better as sort of a uh, a climax to a greater a greater thing than just this one sort of sectioned-off area of story. Yeah. I, I mean, like, the, the <laughs> not enough is added for them to have not said, like, okay, Jericho Hill was the place where they caught up to us as we were as we were making our retreat from Gilead. Like they don't add a substantial number of people. Like the the years spent wandering don't actually add an awful lot to their to their motivation or ability. Yeah, no, and, and it's all... just sort of time right. cover. It's just sort of like let's skip over this part. No yeah. one cares. Yeah. You're right. We don't yeah, it doesn't feel like we we learn anything about like I, I don't know. Like I, I didn't feel like I knew Roland any better, or any of the other characters after after this 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 trade. It right. just, uh, I don't know. It felt, uh, it felt a little bit fillery to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I guess they died, but like, it, it, like I don't know, the like... most the most effective death was Alan's, mm-hmm. and everyone else's was just sort of also. Yeah. 
<sighs> well, at least we saw it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. then I learned it didn't. It doesn't, at least. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man. So, anyway, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this. Brian, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I'm on the Duckfeed Slack, mostly in the Watch Out for Fireballs channel. Join me in my quest to play all those ridiculous games for no real reason at all. <laughs> no, that's... I, I mean, we, we, we've made this remark a couple of times on the air. I forget how many times I've said it to you. Brian has... <laughs> I think you have played more of the Watch Out for Fireball game, Fireballs games than either Gary or I. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> yeah, like, you, I think you maybe have finished some of the ones that we didn't. Yeah. So... <laughs> thank you for making me feel bad no um, but but yeah you're, you're you're in there as dr static it's very fun uh very fun talking with you in there i i enjoy seeing your uh you talking through the yakuza games as well so yeah that's what i'm here to promote the yakuza games everyone play yakuza 6 just came out i'm sure it's great yakuza 6 from a from a small unknown publisher named sega huh. murph where can people find huh. you uh dinosaursarecool.com is my website mm-hmm. uh i do some tabletop some video games some other podcasty stuff and you can you, you can at me at dork night show mm-hmm. fantastic and you can find me on the other duck feed shows also at cole ross on twitter um i'm trying to decide if i want to cut out that dog in the background or if i just want to make it yeah, a those are my dogs. no no it's fine we don't we, 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 don't, we don't need to I, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm good with dogs being in here. Uh, I'm going to let you go take care of those dogs. Everybody knows the usual stuff they can do. Next episode, we're going to be talking about the Little Sisters of Aluria. That is a uh, short story uh, slash novella that is found in the collection Everything's Eventual, um, and that's going to be the end of the uh, the Young Roland um, uh, series here. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash duckvtv if you want to support the network but otherwise come back in two weeks with little sister of Zaluria uh, and until then long days and pleasant nights and you twice the number you twice the number